This is the Last Minute Blues Podcast with Donnie Fandango, Jeff Burton, Alex Ferrario, and former Blues defenseman Jamie Rivers. It is the Last Minute Blues Podcast. Joining me in studio for this episode, Mr. Alex Ferrario, but we represent our homeboys, uh, Jamie Rivers, as well as Jeff Burton. Uh, Alex, how are you this morning, good sir? I am great, Donnie, because we have seen... A couple of Blues victories, and frankly, compared to what last season was, this makes me very happy. Yeah, it seems like, you know, man, I mean, early, I try to not get too crazy about things here. That's one of the things, man, as a sports fan. All right, so here, I'm going to start on this. I believe, okay, that I don't have to be an expert like you, like Curbs, like Jamie, but I can still be an educated and plugged in and somewhat rational fan from time to time. Oh, yeah. And so I was trying not to put too much in to the lack of scoring early on. I was, You know, because you just got to kind of let everything sort of settle. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, you're a level-headed individual, Tony. Well, (laughs) Alex, that's very, very kind of you. Also completely incorrect. (laughs) Um, I'm just trying to be a better sports fan, really. (laughs) But, like... um, but I just feel like, uh, you know, we've definitely seen some some positives out of this so far. And also, too, man, even just a few games in, I'm just still so stoked that, like, you know, man, tonight we get to watch hockey. I know. That's the part for me that I just get excited. First of all, though, like, what's so funny about it when, when you say, like, educated about the sport or the expert, I feel like fans have such access to teams now that they're getting to the point where they have that education and that expertise with the team. I mean, Bally's does a phenomenal job of showcasing, you know, the locker room and talking with players. And you're also hearing from coaches on both the radio and the television broadcast. Like, both broadcasts give fans the opportunity to feel like you're in that room. Now, Mm -hmm. the only difference is, of course, like at practices, you're not there and you're not around the team. But then you think of all the guys who relay the information to you, Curbs and Joey and Jamie and John Kelly and all of the other reporters. Like People have access compared to what it was in the past where, man, you got to imagine that that expertise is so much better than what it was in the past. And i got to say this, man, and I'm going to piss some people off when I say this, and I'm fully okay with it. Hold on. Five minutes in. All right, let's piss some people off. When you are watching, and I'm saying this to 99% of the Blues watching audience, maybe 995 when you are watching Colton Pareko oh, or Marco yeah. Scandella or whomever the whipping boy is this week and you're bitch, 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 bitching about it, you, most of the time, do not know what in the hell you're talking about. You don't. Maybe you do. Maybe you played. But even still, there is a reason that you are on your couch and not coaching somewhere professionally. And also, I think that as fans, man, like... We have information now. I'm listen, I get lost in the world of analytics, okay? There's Good. only so much of that in which that my brain can make work, okay? But man, I read, all right? I read multiple sources, not just blue stuff, national NHL stuff. So man, I try to put the picture together for myself and I really, man, I have a hard time with the uneducated hockey fan that just bitching on Twitter non-freaking stop. Mm-hmm. Unless the Blues are beating people six to nothing every night, they're going to complain about something. It's, and, it, and it's, dude, and it's a joke. It's so funny that you say this because we were doing the show yesterday where we were on BK and Ferrario and we were talking about the Blues. And we were. T- I was talking about how, like, yeah, you know, like they're getting out shots significantly and their offense isn't there, but... 
they've limited their opponent minus that Arizona Coyotes game to what? A total of four goals in three games? And I told BK, I said, it's amazing how last season we were complaining so much about, this defense can't stop anything. Nobody's afraid of this defense. They're small. They don't know how to defend the front of the net. The back door tappens. Now, Donnie, three out of the four games that you have played, defensively, you looked fantastic. Well, they got no offense. They can't score goals. What's the heck's wrong with this team? Well, you got to get more offense if you want to be successful. Man, offense comes. Offense finds its way. Like, it takes a couple of weeks to get into the rhythm. Also, let's look at the Blues that played a game, two days off, a game, four days off, game, two days off, game, right back at it. Not like the consistency is difficult with this. But if you're worried that the offense isn't going to come and not looking at the fact that defensively you held the Dallas Stars to one goal, you held the Seattle Kraken to one goal, and you just held Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Eric Carlson, Chris Letang to two goals. Well, and also, too, dude, you got Booch. You got Pavel Buchnevich that's out for the yeah. last couple of games, too, which is a huge part of the Absolutely. offense. Absolutely. My, my, my problem is this, man. We Listen, we're fans. We have all of this information to be good fans. I, I mean, educated fans. And it just drives me bonkers when I go and I'm on Twitter and I see somebody go, X player doesn't even deserve to be in the NHL. Please stop. Please, please stop. Please, please, because you're wrong. And it just drives me absolutely crazy. And I love that we all have this passion. And there are going to be nights that we get pissed off. And there are going to be nights that we're going to be unhappy. And I totally get that. But, like, I just feel like the Blues fam, like, they just want to have something to complain about. Like, no matter what. And, like, if you're looking for perfection, where are you going? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where are you going in the NHL, you know, for perfection? There's great teams. You know, I just, you know, I'm thinking this the last night. So I saw on the Blues press release for the game today that I believe that today is Doug Armstrong's 1,000th game as the Blues general manager. You are correct. All right. So I'm thinking about this last night. And outside of Brett Hull, I cannot think of someone more important to the history of this Blues franchise than Doug Armstrong. Yep. And I know that there is a certain populace of the fandom that doesn't think that this guy is incredibly great at what he does. And I don't understand that, man. I mean, I don't know what more Doug Armstrong could do. What He's made mistakes, 100%. Tell me a GM that hasn't, yeah. all right? And it seems like if he makes a mistake, he's quick with the pivot to to. To figure it out and to fix it. So it's just frustrating for me. I just don't know what people want. That, that, that's kind of it, man. You know what I think the problem is? And it's not just St. Louis Blues fans. Every team goes through Sports this. Sports fans, whatever. It's when you look at teams around you and the success they're having currently, you forget about what you've done overall. And Cardinals fans go through this, too. Yeah. Like, as much as I can sit here and talk about the difficult last couple of years for the Cardinals because of John Mozeliak, you look at the overall success. So Jeremy Rutherford had this piece on The Athletic about Doug Armstrong's 1,000th game tonight, and it's a phenomenal piece. So when Doug Armstrong was brought in in 2010, and now he has been, now it's 13 years, it's 100 or 1,000 games as the general manager for the Blues. Here are the te- amount of teams that have had more general managers 
than what the Blues have gone through. Vancouver, Toronto, Pittsburgh, Edmonton, and Calgary have all had five general managers in that time frame. Philadelphia, Buffalo, Arizona have had four. San Jose, Rangers, Devils, Canadians, Wild, Panthers, Avalanche, Ducks, Jets have all had three. Think about that, Donnie. I just listed over half of the league that have gone through three, four, or five general managers in that time frame. Meanwhile, Doug Armstrong has not only been with this team, but he has put together a 614 points percentage, a 560 win record with 332 losses and 107 overtime losses. You want to add in postseason, a 463 point percentage. Like this dude is successful. And going back to what I mentioned, I, I think what fans fall victim to is you see the other success teams. You see the Colorado Avalanche that are just unstoppable. You see the Vegas Golden Knights, and you think, well, why can't I have that? Mm-hmm. Why, can, why can't I have the nice shiny toy that Donnie has? Yeah. I want that one. Yeah. Well, you can suck for 10 years like Colorado, be an expansion team, and draft really good players that go back to that Vegas expansion draft and then Seattle expansion draft. Seattle basically thought they were going to be Vegas and teams are like, yeah, yeah. not going to do that one again. <laughs> we made that mistake once. What? I'm not going to trade Jonathan so <laughs> and Riley Smith to you so you could take this guy. Like, teams learn. Right. So, what Doug Armstrong has done is stayed consistent in a salary cap, also a flat cap era. Yeah, he's made mistakes. Sure, you can look at this and say, should have kept Alex Petrangelo. You should have kept David Perron. I can understand those arguments, yeah. but as much as I can see that argument, I'll raise you, you got rid of Yuri Laterra for Braden Shem. You traded a first-round draft pick to bring in a um, Ryan O'Reilly to win a Stanley Cup. You've signed the top free agents that were out there. You've made significant trades to complete your team, and you've drafted and developed while picking in the 25 through 32 range. Yeah. So as much as we look at Doug and say, yeah, but you put the team in a bad spot with a defenseman. Yeah, you put the team in a bad spot by not bringing this guy back. Understandable. But he's been continuing to transition teams through different eras through Blues hockey while being successful. And that rarely... They just drafted 10th overall, Donnie, for the first time since Alex Petrangelo. Yeah. That's the first time they've drafted in the top 10. Since, what, 2008? Yeah. That's a big deal. Well, Jude, and then also, we talked about this last week, too, and I'm going to keep bringing this up. At I mean, get, t- get ready to be tired of hearing me say this. <laughs> but when you have World Juniors coming up, yep. and your organization could potentially send 9, 10, 11 players Mm -hmm. to play in this thing, you are doing something right. The culture here is different. It's a different mentality. We have different expectations now than we did before Doug Armstrong came here. And so it's it's just, you know, man, I, I, I... I, I I don't know, man. I just find myself to be incredibly, incredibly thankful and grateful that I have gotten to be a Blues fan during this particular time. And I just, it really, really chaps me yeah. when people get too, too crazy on Armstrong because, again, not perfect, man. But I think that this team is in a good place. I, we're not winning the cup this year. I get that. But, like, going forward, there are, there's lots of reasons for optimism, even if, God forbid, they don't make the playoffs this year, yeah. which I think they will, but there are many reasons. You know the other thing, too, Donnie, that you talking brought this to my mind. 
why I there's there's so much respect for Doug Armstrong is he's not he's not quick reaction. Mm-hmm. He's not like when something goes wrong. Oh, I got to make a trade. Oh, I got to fire somebody. Like think about like the last couple of years, Craig Berube could have been fired. And Doug Armstrong repeatedly stood up in front and said, Craig, Craig Berube's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Craig Berube is a successful coach. We have seen it here in St. Louis, not just from winning the Cup, but from developing young players that didn't have these expectations. Ivan Barbashev, some of these other guys that have come into the system and had a lot of success. But he's also not quick to just try and make moves to make moves. Mm-hmm. And this is the one thing I, I've, I always... You see other general managers, and like now he's not there anymore. Kyle Dubas, when he was with the Toronto Maple Leafs, like people in Toronto would always be so frustrated because they wouldn't make significant moves or they wouldn't make trigger happy moves. But there's a process with all of this, mm-hmm. and Doug Armstrong he he sees it like a chessboard, where if I make this move five moves from now, I could be putting myself in a hell of a spot. Yep. Whereas I'm going to make this move because I need to make this move. Now he's done that. Like go back when they traded for Ryan Miller. You're not really worried about the repercussions of what you traded away to get Ryan Miller. You thought your team was successful and you went all in for it. But you also look at the the, the big picture and you say, where is my team at right now? And let's not forget what he told us last year. This is a two to three year process. He said it's like the LA Kings. And if that's the case, this is year one of that three year rebuild. And in year one, you got a top 10 pick. You got a couple of other prospects who are like making a lot of noise right now. I don't know if people have paid attention, but Jimmy Snuggerud is the best player in college hockey right now. Ooh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's got like seven points in four games. He scored four goals in one game. He's incredible. You've you've developed and locked up a core on your NHL team. You've got your coaching staff. You've got depth on goal, which, I mean, we know how tough that is in the NHL. If you don't have goaltending, your team's going to stink. Listen, as a Blues fan... We yes. should be so thankful for the goaltending. I mean, you're like, you're like four deep right now <laughs> right. compared to what we used to be yeah. where I was like, eh, Roman Termick, he's, he's a goaltender, right? <laughs> 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 but, like, you've got all of those pieces in place of a three-year retool. And I understand, man, like, it's skeptical because you look at the team and you look at the no-trade clauses and the contracts, but then look at what the start of this season has been, Donnie. Mm-hmm. When everyone was like, well, you can't bring back the same defense, it's going to be awful. You're going to have the same year last year. I don't remember him looking like this last year, that's yeah. for sure. I have not seen one backdoor tapping opportunity compared to what we saw last year. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, real quick, um, I want to talk about, uh, tell me the first-round draft pick that uh, just uh, moved over to Jamie's Sudbury Wolves. Dalibor Dvorsky. Now, I want to ask a question about this. Mm-hmm. So he was playing in a men's league in Europe. In Sweden, yeah. In so Sweden. he was playing the Swedish Hockey League, which is like the best of the best in Sweden. All right, but he was not getting as much ice time there Correct. as he will with Sudbury. Correct. But he's a really great player, so why isn't he getting ice time in Sweden? So, That's the thing that I did not understand. So, so Jamie would be able to explain this much better than me because he's played overseas. I have not. Uh, frankly, I suck at hockey. <laughs> um, so he he was his draft... Rights or his rights were selected by the Sudbury Wolves when he was like they do drafts every year of of selecting young players that play on their team, but the player has the option to play wherever he wants. So he chose to play in the Swedish Hockey League because the previous couple of years he was playing in Swedish Junior Hockey Leagues and he was having a lot of success. And so he decided to take that next step up to play with men. And I remember I spoke with him at the draft in Nashville when he was selected, and he talked about how playing in that league 
puts me in a position where I feel like I could get to the NHL faster. Because when you're playing against grown men, of course, your skills are going to have to grow fast. But he's also 17, 18 years old playing with guys who make this their career. And the thing about the Swedish Hockey League is they're not about developing players. They're all about winning championships. So if you put a 17-year-old or an 18-year-old who still hasn't even grown into his, his man weight yet or his man strength yet and is still learning parts of the game, you're putting him on one of the better teams in the Swedish Hockey League that's trying to win a championship. You're not getting ice time. Mm-hmm. So it started off where he was getting some ice time, and then you just kind of slowly progress like teams do. You move him down the line, and the next thing you know, the Swedish Hockey League can dress like 13th forward, so they have the extra man. He was essentially the 13th forward. I think one shift he played 43 seconds, and then that's all he played. It was at the end of the game. Oh, boy. So, and I know people saw it as the contract was terminated, it was a mutually agreed upon termination because I had some people say, well, we must stink if Sweden got rid of him. No, Sweden probably said, well, he's not doing much for us right now. His agent, who JR had the piece on with the athletic, said, we need to put this guy in a better position to have success as a 17, 18 year old. Mm-hmm. And they said the best place to do that is the Ontario Hockey League. And frankly, I agree. I mean, I went back and looked, Donnie, at guys who have played in the Swedish Hockey League. I mean, we're talking about Elias Pettersson with the Vancouver Canucks. We're talking about, like, Rasmus Dahlin, who played overseas. Like, these are guys that were selected one, two, three overall. Some guys progress well in that league. Some guys don't. Like, Mm -hmm. I went back and looked like the Sedin brothers. Like, their first year, I think they produced, like, six points in 25 games. Some guys just don't produce well. If you would have kept them there, you probably would have given it time, but that's the slow play. And... Doug Armstrong and company want to make sure this kid progresses the correct way. Mm -hmm. So you go to Ontario, you play on the top line, you play with the best of the best in junior hockey, guys your own age, and you build that confidence back up and build that skill up while you're not sitting on the bench. And while you're building up your man body and Absolutely. all of it and growing into it and all those sorts of things. But again, it's it's pardon me. It's it's somewhat similar to why um uh, you know, you you Zach Bolduc, why you make sure that he's in in Springfield, yeah. so he's playing every day, playing all the time, and not up here. So why you sent Jake Neighbors back to the uh, junior hockey league his first year here, where you said he's not playing in the NHL, we can't send him to the AHL. So rather than keep him at the NHL and healthy scratch him, we're sending him back to where he could play against guys his own age and have one more year of success. And and what is and what is honestly very true, and I don't exactly know where he's ranking right now, but I am v- pretty certain that Jamie Rivers ranks in the top five oh, yeah. in the history of the Sudbury Wolves in the OHL as far as scoring goes. Yeah, I think one of his years he had like 180 points with that team. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like he put up Connor McDavid numbers. Dude, it's crazy. And all while having flow yeah, going oh, on at the and same a time. Soul patch. <laughs> I tell him all the time. I said, Jamie, when when you first played for the Blues, you had the soul patch and the and the flow, and I loved it. And I said, when you came back that second time around, I we lost the soul patch. <laughs> I said, you need the soul patch back, my man. Yeah, I just pulled it up. Okay, so we had 121 points. He had 89 assists in his second to last year uh, in the Ontario Hockey League with the Sudbury Wolves. That is absolutely insane as a defenseman like think about that for a minute he scored 32 goals and 89 assists as a defenseman 
and having a soul patch. <laughs> God bless that man. That soul patch obviously ab- absolutely had to help. So uh, what do we know about this uh, this uh, this fine Winnipeg team that we're playing tonight? Playing pretty well so far? Yeah, they're they're not bad. You know, like, the thing about the Central Division, Donnie, is this is where my concern was coming into the season of everyone was like, oh, man, the Central Division, it's going to have Colorado and Dallas and Minnesota, and then you got to worry about Winnipeg and worry about Arizona and worry about Nashville. Where are the Blues going to rank? If you look at it, Colorado is Colorado. Dallas is Dallas. Arizona is sitting in third place right now. And Arizona, by the way, like for people that like snark, it's like, yeah, that, that won't last long. Arizona's got an awesome offense. Yeah. And if Vimelka, their their young goaltender, plays well, they could steal a playoff spot. Like, watch out for them. And Bill Armstrong is fully engaged on being done with this rebuild and starting to spend assets on a team that's going to be successful. They're going to be a big pain in the ass. Oh, yeah. They're, you remember those COVID years, Donnie, where it was seven straight against Arizona and we hated that team? Yeah. You better get ready for it, my man, because Arizona is going to be a uh, – they're going to be a bulldozer. Yeah. Like, I'm – not to sidetrack with it, but you've got Keller and Schmaltz in place. Two pieces that you build around. You've got depth now. You've got the NHL players and Jason Zucker you brought in. Matt Dumba on the defensive side. Their defense needs help. Plain and simple. It would suck that they had to get rid of Jacob Chikrin because Chikrin would have made that team an even closer Stanley Cup contender. But they've got, I think they've got 15 first and second round draft picks over the next three years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Think of the, I mean, like that's draft capital on top of draft capital on top of draft capital. And think of all of the prospects that they have in their system, guys that are first round picks, guys that are top 10 picks, guys that could be top 10 picks. You know what you could get for all of those, Donnie? Dude, you're going to be wheeling and dealing, man. NHL players, yeah. baby. So you could fix your defense. Hey, Dougie Hamilton, you want out of Calgary? Or not uh, Dougie Hamilton, Noah Hannafin, you want out of Calgary? I got a spot for you and I've got picks that'll make Calgary interested. So... Arizona is going to be a very good team for a long couple of years because, again, let's all remember what we talked about. They just went the Colorado route. Look at how long they have stunk, yeah. and now you finally start to click. But back to you, what asked about the, the Winnipeg Jets. Nashville's sitting in one of the wild card spots. The Blues are sitting in one of the wild card spots. Minnesota sitting in one of the wild card spots. And Winnipeg right now has, is uh, four points, two wins, and three losses in five games. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I was surprised they made the decision to re-sign Connor Hellebuck and Mark Shifley. I was just going to ask you about that. Because it felt like they were trying to transition out of where they are in terms of like maybe start to retool a little bit. But like you don't you don't move on from Connor Hellebuck because he's a elite goaltender. You don't move on from Mark Shifley. He's a top centerman. But Winnipeg, man, they're not clicking yet. They're just not clicking yet. I mean, they've scored 16 goals in five games, so they got offense. But they've also allowed 21 goals in, six, in five games. So they've got... Issues on the defensive side. I, I just, you know, and Jamie and I talked about this on the last episode, but, but like, I don't, dude, I don't understand why you're committing seven years 
to both of those guys. Yeah. And, I th- and not to take away, I mean, they're tremendous players. Right. But it just seems to me that they are kind of maybe like leading themselves into this sort of kind of like mediocre thing that they've been struggling with the last couple of years. Never bad, but never really good. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like a move like that. I don't know. Especially at $8.5 million. And look, like the cap's going to rise. We sure, all know that. Right. Over the next two years, it's probably going to add like 8 to $10 million. So 8.5 for Mark Shifley might kind of look like a steal. Same can be said about a Connor Hallibuck, especially for being as good as he is. But you also look at some of the other contracts that are on the books with them. And like you've got Nikolai Ehlers, who's 6 mil for the next couple of years. will be 29 at the end of that. Uh, the, the trade that they made with LA, I thought was... A, a++ for the Winnipeg Jets. Like, to get Ayafalo, to get Kupari, and who was the other guy that they got from them? It was, um, uh, blanking on his name right now. It was another forward that, oh, Velarde. They've got those three guys for Pierre-Luc Dubois. So those three guys are good. Like, I think Winnipeg is going to be competitive, but you nailed it. Winnipeg is doing what Nashville did for so many years where it was you just kind of kept cycling over and over and over where we're a good team we could get into the playoffs maybe we could steal around but that's probably it and Nashville and I appreciate what they did and what Barry Trotz did we said no we need to become dominant because that's what this league's about now and most teams have to be bad for a couple of years but he goes and signs some free agents to find and make the team competitive Maybe Winnipeg's trying to do that. I mean, Mark Shifley's an incredible centerman. Connor Hallibuck, an incredible goaltender. Yeah. But defensively, you're okay. Depth-wise, you've got some good pieces, but you're a little bit top-heavy compared to some other teams in the Central Division. I think Winnipeg is probably going to be right around the St. Louis Blues area, which is why I'm so interested in this matchup tonight, because when Doug labeled what a successful season looks like, he said, I expect us to compete for a playoff spot and be at the top of that middle tier. Well, welcome to the middle tier. You're playing that team tonight, and when you look at both teams on paper, they're very similar in terms of the Blues and the Winnipeg Jets. And so tonight, if I am not mistaken, the NHL, every NHL team is in action tonight, Yeah, and the games are staggered. The start times are staggered like five minutes apart, so you can theoretically watch the face-off the first face-off of every single game tonight. Yep. What they're calling it, Frozen Frenzy? I That's believe it. is what it is. Yeah. Where it's like you could watch all of the faceoffs on ESPN Plus and like you could Bucci Gross is the one that's kind of hosting it with I love this. I, I mean, so all of the games start at six o'clock. Six o'clock is the first game. It's the Maple Leafs and the Capitals. Then six thirty, six forty five, seven, seven fifteen, seven thirty. Every fifteen minutes okay. there's another puck drop that goes all the way up until eleven o'clock. It's Vegas and Philly. First of all, I'm very glad we're not playing a West Coast team for this one because not <laughs> 11 o'clock starts. Woo, buddy! Um, but like, this is cool. Like, this is this is March Madness esque. Yeah. You know, this is what baseball did at the start of the playoffs with the wild card rounds, where you had four games starting every 30 minutes. I love this to where you can watch all of the games. Frankly, they need to see the success that this has tonight. And when the playoffs come around, do the same damn thing. That's where you point. have one conference start on one day and another conference start on another day. Start at 11 a.m. and go till 9 o'clock at night. Man, I love every bit of I it. I love the idea. Well, and this is this going to, again, and I've told you about this before, there are, there are sports days where my kids come home and go, oh. And this is going to be one of those days because Game 7 is tonight, too. Yeah, Philadelphia but, and Arizona. Uh, Philadelphia and Arizona. So I definitely am going to have to be peeking in on that. And... 
But I, I got to tell you this real quick. This has nothing to do with what we were talking about. But uh, my son, so in 2011, when the Cardinals and the Rangers were in the World Series, mm-hmm. and everybody was falling in love with David Freeze and the Cardinals, my son, as the stubborn person that he is, was going in the exact other direction. Nice. He loved Nelson Cruz and Josh Hamilton. So he became, and I am not lying, a die-hard Texas Rangers fan. Really? So, dude, he like his birthday in July, I think we got him... Four Ranger shirts, a cap, you know, it, with blue stuff too. But like, like he loves the Rangers. So my dude last night was flipping out. <laughs> like it's the fourth inning, they're up by like four or five. He's like, Dad, I don't want to be confident. How do I not be confident? I'm like, Buddy, you got a lot of time left. Take a deep breath. Maybe you need to walk the dog. I don't know. Yeah. Is Kayla coming over? Take Maybe you guys can have dinner house. or something, man. But it is just so. Um, <laughs> it's so amazing to watch. Sports fandom through somebody else's eyes. Yeah. Because, dude, I don't care about the Rangers. <laughs> whatever. Right. I like Bruce Bochy. You know what I mean? But, like, whatever. Yep. But, like, I'm watching it last night because of him, and I'm watching my phone, and I just want my Cardinals back in that. Yeah, I know. In that mix. Mm-hmm. I miss it so much. And then, man, when you see Adolis Garcia mm. just mash it breaks my heart <laughs> like what a great cardinal he would have been man yep, yep. him and a rosarena are you freaking kidding me back to back years what I have guess, we been doing in a five-year span it, it, you gotta imagine like john mozalock sitting at home in front of the television i like to picture my mo and his pjs you know with a bowl of popcorn next yeah. to him. Maybe a Diet Coke with one of those little bendy straws in it. That's how I like to picture my Mo with his I glasses on. I love it. You know his PJs, by the way, they have like a Velcro bow tie on, right? Dude, and they are some top-notch high-end oh, pajamas. Yeah. There's no doubt. Like these things from these, J. Crew. Yeah, these didn't come yeah. from Target, people. <laughs> yeah, they're not from Goodwill, probably where <laughs> most of my PJs are from. But, uh, like, you have to imagine him sitting there and being like, are you kidding me? Are you bleeping kidding me? Another damn year. Can I get a offseason where an outfielder has not played for the Cardinals? You know what it feels like? It feels like from about 95 until 2005, where every year the Stanley Cup champion had like three former Blues on it. Yeah, man. Like, what the hell is happening right now? <laughs> they had to go somewhere else to win yeah. the Cup, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I got to imagine Moe's just sitting there and rips off his Velcro bow tie and throws it and says, I can't stand this anymore. <laughs> Popcorn all over the place. He throws it, his dog's like, what the hell? Here comes the Roomba. To pick it, to pick it all up again. Maybe there's two. I don't know. Roomba. No, he's got his kids coming to switch it up. Come on now, John Mozeliak. Dude, if you have that much money, there's no way you. I would bet you that John Mozeliak has a robot, uh, a a robot, uh, um, uh, made like, like, like made like, like the Jetsons, like Rosie. Yep. That's exactly what I was God, going you for. You and I were on the same page Dude, the whole way, which which is probably kind of scary for it's you, very, Alex. Very maybe. true, actually. I still watch it, but I still, but I just think you know, if. It, Anybody has that going on at their crib, it's probably. I got to be honest with you. I know people are afraid of AI and it taking over. I am too, but man, I would love to have a robot that cleans up around the house for me. Dude, you know, I hate. So we, uh, our dishwasher broke a bunch of months ago. Oh God! And we decided, you know, man, uh, I wasn't getting as many remotes and stuff through the station. So like, hey, we're gonna wait to get a dishwasher. And so now uh, we're all taking turns washing dishes. And I'm gonna tell you something. 
There are very few things in this world that I hate, but washing dishes is really? probably very much at the very top of my list. I love washing dishes. Do you really? Dude, it is like the most calming thing for me to where I can sit there like we have a dishwasher and I rarely use it. Like, I kind of wash the dishes, but I hate washing clothes. Okay, dude, I love doing our laundry. Okay. Like, I, I and that is my calm. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, like last night, man, I you know, did a couple loads of whites. I'm upstairs. I'm folding oh, and yeah. I'm watching the game. Yeah, you're, like that's kind of how I'm winding down that's my how day. My wife, my wife likes doing that. She's like, I do the laundry. I'll fold it. Just do the dishes. And I say, hey, by all means, like I'll do it to where my girls are finishing dinner and uh-huh. I've already finished, and I'll just sit there and scrub them down with a little scrub daddy that I got. I'm telling <laughs> you, man, love that. I love that damn thing, dude. People, he's getting so excited. About I love this. that. Too. <laughs> I'm such a I'm such an adult now. Like nothing gets me more excited than, than a couple of words, Donnie. Nap time, mm-hmm. um, bed early, uh-huh. and dinner's ready. Mm-hmm. Those are those are the words that, let me tell you. Starting to get hot yeah, I know. Here. I was going to say, <laughs> take this jacket off a little bit, my Velcro bow tie on. All right, so I say this, uh, Mr. Ferrario. Um, I say we do another episode on Friday. Two in one week? Two in one week. Let's do it. I love it. For Jamie Rivers and uh, our buddy, Jeff Burton, it's Alex Ferrario, Donnie Fandango. Thank you very much for listening. It's the Last Minute Blues Podcast. As always, let's go Blues. The Last Minute Blues Podcast. Hear more at 1057thepoint.com.